Is it is it wrong that I'm super excited to see the scary ugly pig? <laughs> All right, I sent you a contact Derek uh, request, so you'll see able to see me sitting oh. on the toilet. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the bin. Who's bringing us in? Wow. You guys suck. Scott hasn't been here in a while. Let him bring us in. <laughs> well, before yes. we go on, I just want to say thank you very much for the books, Derek. I, I was very, you very say surprised. That on the air. Well, I'll say that on the air as well. But I, I, I was, I, I was very, I was just, I was just getting sick, and uh, the stuff came in the mail, and it was, it really cheered me up. I was very, cool. I was shocked, shocked, shocked. I tell you, no, good. shocked at this information. I, I just, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. So I just, I just wanted to fill the gaps. So that's all. I'm gonna send you my want list. There's a lot of. Oh, books. you beat me to it, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> That's what I was just gonna say. Yes, I will be sending you uh, quite the quite the want list here. Let's see this FF number one. There's Amazing Fantasy fifteen. <laughs> Action number one. Man, you know you know what I haven't I haven't like really looked at like those age of books like for purchasing in the longest time. And like I, I think like that's that's why one of those things where I was like, Man, Avengers four. Like it's like anything that's like in a decent price range, looks like somebody like wiped their ass with it or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, and like, then then I was like, oh okay, well, what? I was like, well, what's an Avengers for that actually looks like you know nice and stuff? And I just went, holy shit! Like, you know, but I, like I've seen some where I was like, oh, this is not so bad. And then you look at it, it's like uh, five pages are missing. Captain America has a mustache drawn and pen on his face, and right, you know, like all this crazy stuff. And I'm just like, well, that's yeah, that's no good. Well. Well, the I one mean, that makes is, the well, the one that uh, makes the rounds over here that Scott and I have seen has been that that ugly copy where somebody's drawn a buck tooth, like they've knocked out one of Cap's oh, yeah, teeth, yeah, yeah. and like the bottom half of the cover is ripped off, and they wanted three hundred and fifty dollars for it. Yeah, that's what's crazy. You're like, you're like, this looks horrible, and they want like really like you know high end money for it too. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it's only gotten worse since the you know since the movies have started and everything because right, it, right. it used to be where you could get I mean it would be an absolutely whipped a shit copy but you used to be able to get a, a you know a, a, at least an acceptable you know it would have all the pages copy mm-hmm. of it for you know under two hundred dollars and I don't think those days are ever going to come back now with this book it's it's just jumped too much because yeah. at one point I was gonna shell out and what what I was going to try to do is some of my lower grade books like my Avengers 4 I was going to try to slowly upgrade them you know like buy a nicer copy than the one I had sell off the one that I had try to recoup as much money as I could and keep trading up and as soon as the the Avengers movies actually started you know the MCU started to build it's it, it immediately went out of range and I don't I don't think it's ever going to come back again so I'm just I'm contending myself with the one that I have, you know, I mean, it's, it is absolutely whipped, but at least it's complete, you know, it does have all the pages. 
So uh, wait, oh, oh, yeah. Hmm. I'll definitely have to come over to your house again. I forgot <laughs> about that. Well, I, I want to show you my copy sometime, just just to judge what you think the condition of it may be, because I you know, see I, how much I, money you could get me for. Well, no, I've always <laughs> considered myself a pretty good judge of of grade, but I have a tough time with that when I honestly don't know where to place it in the Are grade scale, just because it, it's be yeah. You have a copy? I didn't know you had a copy. Yeah, place it in my hands. What what else do? You well, don't know where to place it. What's how would pretty you wild is, I mean, how would you describe I, the copy, Bill uh, Scott? Whipped as shit. I mean, it's it's beat. Yeah, but it's in, in what respect? What's describe it? I mean, it's just, it's well loved. I mean, to the best of my recollection, because it's been a while since I've taken it out of the bag. But the best of my recollection, I don't believe it has any marks on it as far as you know where somebody wrote their name or drew a mustache on cap or anything like that. But it's you know it's weathered. I do believe some of the pages are detached in the interior of the book. The cover, for that matter, might be detached as well. I can't remember. Mm. Um, so I mean, it's it's beat up, but it is intact in the sense that everything is there. You know, nobody ever cut coupons out or or you know removed a page or anything like that. So it's a complete book. It's just beat the hell. You know, well, it's it's a well loved copy. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is I mean, it's it's the condition that it's in is the only reason I even own it because this goes back to it's it had to be somewhere between eighty six and ninety. So I mean, it was a long time ago, mm. but it was when I was in the service, or actually, it might even be before that. But it was it was right around the time I was, you know, eighteen. You know, within a couple years of of eighteen on the other side. And I was going to the Ithacons in Ithaca, New York, you know, which was just, you know, back then they were small little conventions. And uh, those are the ones that Roger Stern used to put on over in Cornell. And I went to it and somebody had tipped me off and it might have been Honeywell's dad because he, he was an antique collector. But somebody had tipped me off, you know, your, your best time to try to get deals on like, you know, high end collectibles is wait to the very end of the show when they're packing the shit up because they don't want to take it home, you know? And you sometimes can offer them ridiculously low prices and they'll be like, yeah, f*** it, you know, just to make the sale. And that's exactly what I did with with two, you know, probably, you know, two of my nicest books that I own because I got um, Avengers number four and Superman number 16, like the original Superman number 16 for 20 bucks a piece. Just because they were whipped to hell, and the guy just didn't want to have to pack him up and take him home. And you know, if it wasn't for that, I'd never been able to even touch one. Because every time I, else I've ever seen an Avengers four, it's been at least triple digits, usually you know quadruple digits. So, yeah, I, I lucked out. But I mean, you know, like I say, that was what thirty. Yeah, that was thirty years ago at this point, or you know, thereabouts. So those those days are gone, unfortunately. But <clears throat> that just owes into the fact I've never really, you know, I've never really cared too much about condition anyway. I like my books to be covered, you know, and not cover less. But beyond that, I don't give a shit. I just want to own a copy of it. I don't care what it looks like yeah. as long as it's not too far gone. You know, I mean, if it was... You know, some five-year-old colored through the whole damn thing. Yeah, I wouldn't want that, you know. But as long as it's complete and it's not marred up, I don't give a shit. 
It doesn't have to be pristine mint. But anyway... I, I was never too into condition myself, but I, I think when it comes to like, you know, like what you guys are talking about where the guy makes cap look buck tooth or like sometimes <laughs> like the it seems like what i noticed too is for that comic it's like the spines are demolished or like people try to fix what's wrong with it it's like the yeah. cover's like torn in half but then there's like a piece tape. of scotch tape like behind yeah. the cover Ugh. to make it look mm. good and stuff like that where you're like well you know that's not really worth the the high price or whatever right mm. Yeah, I don't I don't like it when dealers are trying to sell copies like that and they don't take those things into account, you know. Mm. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've I've dealt with a comic shop or a convention or something where they have a book like that that's just beat to hell, yet the price is like the overstreet pristine mint that, price. That I, pisses I, me off. I, hate I love when you guys talk about that because that reminds me when I used to live in LA, there was a store in Santa Monica, like alongside the Third Street Promenade. It was called Heidi Ho Comics. And that's what they always, always did. And it was like one of those things where you, you were always like, you know, meh, you know, because like, you know, you, you, you obviously you, you go out of your way to like pull all these things. And they, the thing that was the kicker was they were in all these like wooden boxes. They weren't bagged, they weren't boarded. Like, nobody even bothered to grade them. So it was, like, one of those things where it, it, it might not even... I, I think what drove me crazy was I think I found a copy of, like, DC Comics Presents. I think it's, like, 26, whatever the one with He-Man is. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And it was, like, waterlogged and looked like right. crap, basically. But I was like, oh, you know, uh, if this is, like, you know, I'll bring it up to them. If it's, like, 50 cents or something, I'll, I'll get it. Because, like, I just, you know, I just wanted to have it. And then they busted out the price guide and try nah. to charge like the 275 or whatever it was and i was just like, you know what forget this and i just left you know yep. so that yeah. sounds familiar yeah. sounds like the guy out and i was just thinking that too yeah the guy yeah, there's the been so many times us 41 yeah there's been so here. many times with people like that too that i want to you know i want to take the book and be like this is this and in the book point to like the low end like yeah. the good <laughs> listing and be like do you understand there's a range here you know yeah but they they don't they either don't know or they don't care they just figure ah uh, you know they're gonna I mean, they're gonna they pay this price is that for you know like the people who really grade these things very very few books are mint you know, right. They, they want if there's no obvious, you know, no obvious flaws that jump out at you. They want to say, "Oh, that's mint." That's not mint. Mm. Mint, mint yeah. actually means pristine, and and it's it's very hard to find the book. Once once a book's been read by one person, it's not pristine anymore. Right. You know, by my standards, it's fine, but don't charge me, you know, the top price on it either. Right. Yeah, usually, like the default condition for most comics even if they're in good condition is near mint because like you said somebody somebody read it somebody handled it you know that kind of thing so well even books you buy off the shelf yeah yeah depending on how they're handled and put up there yeah, that's, how they're true. Displayed. that's true you know you unless you grabbed it when it came off the line before it got stuffed in a box and shipped somewhere it's it's not perfect well yeah. they say even like uh, you know the best books when they get sent for you know, to be graded and uh, slabbed. 
you know, the best ones are like 9.8, 9.7. Even those aren't right. considered, you know, it's like there's no 10.0 books out there. It's not, it's just a non-existent thing. I mean, unless they, they slab them like right off the press or something crazy, like some of those, those, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I see all these guys running around getting stuff drawn on with those blank covers and stuff, and then they like immediately get them like slabbed like two minutes later, which I find kind of weird. But I'm like, whatever, whatever floats people's boats, I guess. You know. But if you, if you know what, if you're gonna slab the book, why are you even buying it? Right. Especially a brand new on the shelf book. I mean, it's one thing, you know, somebody gives because me a, copy a of Action Comics number minute. one and it's slabbed. I'm good with that. Mm, I guess. Because I'm not, I'm not paging. If you give me a copy of Action Comics number one, I'm not paging through it anyway. I'm well, you know, I'd be terrified too. I, I was just going to say, I'm kind of scared, like, that there are all these books out there, like New Mutants 98 and, like, I don't know, like, the, what is it, the Batman Adventures 13, where they're they're slabbed and they want like you know six hundred dollars for it or something crazy and i'm just like what <laughs> like you know and, and like you remember owning them and just kind of giving them away for a pittance or whatever you know stuff like that well the only time i've ever thought of slabbing anything is my avengers number one because i bought it for two hundred dollars back in like 90 94 nine actually before i got married <laughs> yeah because i wouldn't have been able to get away with that later so like right before I got married, I, I I bought that. So that was in '94, and it was 200 bucks. So I know it has to have gone up by now. And I'm figuring if I could slab it, what could I sell it for? But I, I don't want to sell it. It's just like, uh, I want to be able to open it and look at it. Well, how would you know. describe the condition of that? I would say it is. Uh, it's mint. No, it's um, <laughs> it's um. Well, it's got no major tears. It doesn't have super discoloration. The spine's a little, you know, it's got a couple crinkles. I mean, all the pages line up evenly. You know, like you know, when you flip it over the back. The right now is if, if like, a, you, you heard a glass fall over and you say, well, it's got some water damage now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some cat piss on it. God damn it, Alan. Yeah. So uh, I would say probably, what's like the middle of the road rating? Is that just good? I'd say it's a good to, like, maybe very good. It's not a fine... I don't know. I'm not a good, good judge of comics. I mean, I I look at it, I think it's one of the nicest books I have of that age. Um, the number three that you got me, Derek, is actually pretty good. There's one horizontal tear on one of the pages. Um, it's actually in better shape than the 16. Okay. Uh, uh, because I, there's... I'm like, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what what you what, what that cost you, but yeah, the the three is in better shape than the sixteen. So hopefully you didn't pay more for the sixteen than the three. No, no. Okay. Not. No, the the I think the sixteen anybody would have been happy to get you, like like just anybody. So it's not, it wasn't even a big deal at all. But because uh, like because like the cheapest I've seen it around here was about eighty, and I'm just like ah uh, 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 yeah it wasn't it, yeah it was it wasn't even close to that. So okay. So as soon as I go by Scott's house, I only need number two. Oh, sorry. Did I say that <laughs> hey, out loud? No, I, you know what's funny? Like, I, when, when, I, when I looked for those other books, I did pay attention to number two as well. But, but I think what I ran into with that was the same thing we were talking about, where there are either all these, like, 
what they call so-called restor you know restorated copies or I don't know what mm. but like basically they look like crap to me like and I was like it's not worth it you know like even even if it was you know 60 or 80 bucks or something but I don't know like maybe maybe you can look at some of those yourself and make up your own mind but like so, some of those like I, I thought they were you know not worth the money they were asking for them and then and then when you get into the ones that are you know that look like nice like that avengers 3 like not perfect you know maybe there's some tears and some things like that but you know is a pretty solid decent looking book then it, it you know it starts getting upward or i i noticed some stuff like people were bidding on them and i i'd see some for like really low bids and i was like oh this is cool and so i'd be watching them just to get an idea of how much mm -hmm. they end up going for and it's like when i saw the you know to me like the low starting bid was like you know I don't know, like 30 or 40 bucks. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to this. And then, like, by the end of it, it was like, you know, three something bucks, you know, or whatever. So you're like, wow. Like, these, you know, obviously they're, they're still a definite market for, you know, yeah. folks like yourself that are, you know, completing all 402 well, issues and stuff. Well, that's just a blind spot for me because I never think to go on eBay and look for old books. I just, it's just not, I don't think to do that. I'm always like just physically looking for it in a store, and I'm and mm, it's mm. it's it's like a blind spot I have, and I, I don't know. Now all this good talk, Paul, you're gonna have to stick this in the show somewhere, like at the stick end on the beginning. Floor. No. <laughs> <laughs> Roll it up real tight and stick it in your ass. But you know what? We sh we should do the show because it's not Here's seven. It's not seven o'clock here. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. I am joined by Dr. William Robinson. By Scott Hi-Ho Gardner. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How you doing? I'm doing good. And we have a special guest today. We, from, from all the way on the West Coast, we have Derek WC. What's happening, Derek? Hey. Great to be here, Paul. Thanks for having me, guys. This is one of my favorite comic book podcasts, so it's an honor and a privilege, and I've been looking forward to this as long as we've been talking about it. So thanks for having me on. Wow. Hey, to get on, all you got to do is just bribe one of the hosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, to, to be fair, uh, I've, I've actually been thinking about inviting you on for quite some time, but then when Bill said about the bribe, I said, okay, I got to move It's back. not a bribe. It's a gift. <laughs> It's a bro. Anybody else wants to get on? <laughs> we have want lists that are available. Now it's uh, we joke around, but Derek uh, sent a very generous gift to Dr. Bill, and why don't you talk about that, Bill? Yes, Derek sent me a, a uh, two books, two of the two of the four I need to complete the Avengers, and as some of you might have seen it on uh, on Facebook, I. I put them up there. He sent me number three of the Avengers, Volume One, and number sixteen. And it was it was a very happy after Christmas. It was just a little bit after New Year's, and I was uh, my wife comes in and says, "Oh, you got these in the mail?" And I knew they were coming, but I I had forgot about them. <clears throat> so like a kid at Christmas, I, I I opened them, and I opened up the number sixteen first, and I'm like, "Whoa, sixteen! Oh my God!" I'm like, "Well, let me see what this one is." So now, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my God, what if this is number four? Oh, my God. So I open it. I'm like, it's number three. Someone yes. Got, someone got a little greedy. Yeah, I know. I was thinking, 
you know, well, you know, you're allowed to have those, you know, the the one moment of. Uh, what if it's actually insane. comics number one? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I was just really, really surprised and just very. I, you know, I, I, I was a loss for words that day because my wife was looking at me and I'm like, ah, 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 ah. and she's like, ah, that shuts you up. Now I know what to get you. <laughs> you know what? If Tina wants to shut me up by buying me expensive comics, <laughs> she can have her silence. <laughs> yes. How long do I got to stay quiet for this one? A week? Okay. So. Again, thank you. Thank you very, very, very much. It was very generous, and I appreciate it greatly. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I just wanted to... Like like I said, I've been listening to the show for a long time, and I, I, don't, I don't know if this is going to be funny or not, but I, I've listened to the show through my association with Luke Giaconetti, so I think like the first episode I ever listened to was the one that Bill did with Luke on Supervillain Team-Up. And oh, then, yeah. And then I kind of got into it with, like, Planet of the Apes Month and just started listening to, like, you know, current episodes. And then I was trying to go through all the backlog and everything. But I kind of think of you guys as, like, the the when the all-new, all-different X-Men started. Because I feel like I've been listening to the podcast since, you know, issue number 96 of the all-new X-Men and following it that way. And, like, I still need to go back and, and listen to, like, all the OG episodes with, like, you know Michael Bailey and and Scott and and any of the other like I know there's other rotating people that come in and stuff like that but I, I've enjoyed the show for for a really really long time and you know w- without getting too you know over emotional or anything like that you know Bills made me laugh Bills made me cry and I just kind of wanted to to do some you know something that I I felt like I could do and and I still can you know that I was able to do and and it just occurred to me you know so I just mm-hmm. you know that that was just something I just felt like doing so cry what did I do to make you cry or were you laughing so hard you cried yes yes usually <laughs> usually like especially in that super villain team up episode where where you and Luke were going off about it like I think I definitely was oh. brought to laughing laughing tears so one issue when I got two shows out of that You make me cry, Bill. <laughs> Is that when you see me at your house or on the show? Open the front door and see you smiling oh, and waving. Of course, I see that in my nightmares now. Wake up in a cold sweat, then you roll over and I'm laying next to you in bed. How you doing? <laughs> oh, then just, you wake up again. Just kill me. Hold me. Hold me, honey. Bill was in my head again. I'm renting space in your head. Yeah, you, just, you know, you, you just have that constant keep cutting, 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 and every time it's a nightmare, you know, I, I, I sit up in bed and all you see is like the back of somebody laying, you know, facing the other way. Oh, God, I just had the worst nightmare. Bill was in the room, and then you turn around. Shut up, I'm trying to sleep. I turn over and I was like, it, it, it's, no, it's me, or it's Chan. Not Dr. Bill. Well, I think I think when you guys were down in my basement, that was kind of your, you know, Scott's recurring nightmare. <laughs> oh God! Hey, <laughs> wasn't so bad the second time. I slept in the other side of the basement, and ran a fan. That's true. So that my story the, wouldn't keep you up. Yeah, the two teenagers to act as a buffer in between. <laughs> 
Well, that sounds worse than it is, though. <laughs> That's okay, though. You mind that it had got a people. It was their sons. <laughs> and Paul's dogs would attack them. Poor little guys. We we miss those guys too. But now you got a new <laughs> new a new puppy in town. The, the piranha. Uh, eleven. Puppy eleven. Pu- puppy eleven is is growing in leaps and bounds. I got her. She was two pounds. Took her to the vet. She was four pounds. Now she went back to the vet. She's six pounds. She's just gonna keep adding and adding and adding. Before you know it, she'll be like 150 pounds. Okay. You put that dog in a diet. She, she just seems to like Mountain Dew. Oh, well, yeah, that'll do it to you. Anyway, so, anybody, so anybody Derek, got any well, good comic news for us here? Well, no, I was gonna. Uh, well, well, Derek's got a. I like. I've gotten into. Um, your your blog, the history of comics on film. I started at. Um, I've been working my way back. I started at '66 uh, with the uh, with the stuff with the Super Friends. I think I had posted a comment on Facebook that there was yeah. there was stuff in that certain season that I there's like episodes I didn't even know existed, and I never realized that that particular season was all based on literary works. It never clicked in my head, and then I, you know when I watched it, I was like, duh. Lord of the Rings, Wizard of Oz, hello. Yeah, no, usually working on that like is a lot of fun, but it's it can also be kind of time-consuming. So I, I remember when I originally started it, I had all kinds of free time on my hands, and then as I've continued it, it's they, they sort of trickle out sporadically when, when I have the time and the mood strikes and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I have a lot of fun working on those projects too i mean you know i do that and you know i podcast so it's 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 a lot of the same kind of which creative which uses. which you're on on fan holes correct i have it yeah. I, I yeah i've just i've got it on my list but i'm a year behind on the fantastic cast and i've been burning through those trying to catch up so fan holes is next on my list i, I gotta cool. tell you i i have to be picky on some podcasts because i just download too many so usually what I do is I'll, I'll do I'll listen to the fan holes when you do comic book stuff. Yeah, no, no, no that's cool. That's I mean, usually, that's I, know usually I, I pick and choose. So I, you know, I apologize that I don't listen to everything. It's just not enough hours no, in no. the day. No, we we kind of we kind of dovetailed it into a bunch of genre specific things. So I, I think we sort of I, I don't know if it was a good move or a bad move, but we we may have intentionally like split some of our listenerships among like the various spinoff shows just purposely i guess so what you mean you you go on a tangent on something else other than comics yeah yeah that'll never work i think i'm trying to remember i think the show i enjoyed the most was the captain america show okay okay cool but uh, i do i do uh i do get i do download it and, and and at least sometimes get a chance to actually listen to what i download no, I get it. I mean, I, I listen to, to a lot of different podcasts, so, like, I don't always, you know, keep up with everything, or, or sometimes, like, there's stuff that slips under the radar for me. Like, I think I just, I, I basically, my phone crapped out recently, so there were, like, a bunch of stuff that was on my to-listen that is no longer on my to-listen, because mm. it was on that phone that got crapped out, so I'll have to go back and maybe, you know, re-download some of that stuff that I was meaning to catch up on. You know, stuff on, like, Two True Freaks or Fire and Water. Like, I listen to 
shows on those networks and stuff like that. As do I. What's happening, Scott? You still there? I'm here. I'm just listening. Guess we're starting to go into some comics. <laughs> I'm on sorry. With the show. Witty there. <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> well, if we wait for that from you, we'll be here for a while. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> well, it's, sorry, I'm you, only you, happy. You're, 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 you're trying to shut up Socrates' wife now, aren't you? See, I was on the show and I didn't say nothing. I don't think we've read that email yet. Oh. Whoops. Future cast. That email will be in the future. So, uh, as the guest, we gave Derek the uh, the choice of going first or second, and he opted to go first. So, what do you got for us today? So, when when you guys asked me on, I like I I was kind of wrecking my brain, like what what I should bring, and then I was also kind of thinking, I want to make sure it's not anything that anybody has already reviewed on the show and and i you know i kind of mentioned it to paul because i've listened to a lot of episodes but not every single one so i just asked has anybody ever brought a green hornet comic book before and so when he said no i i knew i thought of this issue specifically it's tales of the green hornet technically it's volume three issue number one because it's the 1992 series and there were basically it's like there were a couple different mini series titled Tales of the Green Hornet. They were usually like between, you know, one to three issues. You know, some of them were like two issues, some of them were three issues. But this particular one uh, probably came out in June, I'm guessing, because it has a cover date of September. And the title is called Death House. And the script is by James Van Heiss. The pencils are by Sal Valudo. And I was thinking maybe Scott would be into that because I know you guys have talked about Sal Valuto before in the past. There is a cover, and I, I, I noticed when I was younger, I think I got it confused because the cover is by Norm Brayfogle. And for a long time when I was a kid, I think, you know how like your memories play tricks on you? I think I thought the interiors were also by Norm Brayfogle because I've always kind of liked this story and thought it was really, had a lot of dynamic pencils and was cool, but actually the interior pencils or by Sal Valuto. And if nobody's familiar with the Green Hornet series, I did just kind of cobble down some notes, kind of like a quick info dump for everybody, because there might be a couple things when you first read this, if you're not familiar with now comics take on the Green Hornet, that you might kind of scratch your head about. So basically it's it's the now comics version of the Green Hornet is kind of like James Robinson's Starman a little bit before its time and kind of like Watchmen sort of after its time. Like, basically, what it does is they have a lead protagonist whose name is Paul Reed. He's kind of a blonde, blue-eyed guy who takes on the mantle of the Green Hornet, and basically he's the one who carries on like the family legacy fighting as the Green Hornet because they kind of reconcile all these different versions of the Green Hornet as like a legacy hero. So kind of like Starman, Paul takes over after his brother Alan dies on his first mission as the Green Hornet in like this giant explosion and then Kato's all like strung out and drunk and feeling bad because he thinks he got the brother killed and stuff like that. So then kind of like the Kevin Smith Dynamite series, Paul teams up with the, the little sister Mishi Kato, so then it's a, a male Green Hornet, a female Kato, and then, you know, you basically take, like, 
like Britt Reed the first is basically like the Green Hornet from the radio series and the film serials. He's the guy with like the full mask who is kind of like a, a mystery man from the 40s and 30s. And then you'd take like the, the sons basically is, is how they sort of retcon it where the Brit Reed that's in the television series with just the domino mask who was Van Williams that teamed up with Bruce Lee, like that's Brit Reed the second. And, you know, he's just basically... You know, Bruce Lee is Hayashi Kato, and then uh, the the Kato from the 40s is named Akano Kato. So they, they kind of switch it up and sort of give you those kind of legacy versions and everything. But uh, basically the synopsis of Tales of the Green Hornet, Volume 3, Number 1, um, it's got a cover by Norm Brayfogel, and on the interior, kind of like the cover, we open up on a splash page of the first Green Hornet, in a makeshift, in a makeshift costume inside the death house, and then we cut back to an elderly Paul Reed. So that would be the protagonist of the the current now series, analyzing the trophies, secret journals, and an old Daily Sentinel newspaper clipping of his family's dynasty. And this, of course, includes the mass crime fighting dynasty of the Green Hornet, and the headline from the summer of 1936 reads, "Mass Murder." And despite Paul reading the article and even his great uncle's memoirs, it actually is the one story that Britt Reed Sr. refuses to discuss with him. A Night of Horror, which we cut back to. The Hornet of the 30s, who's normally armed with his gas gun, only has a kitchen knife. He opens the door to find a dead and tortured girl hanging from the ceiling by chains. The Hornet turns to hear a chilling scream, and then we cut back to earlier when the evening's festivities first begin. The city's most elite personages, including one Britt Reed, are invited to attend a gala event thrown by wealthy industrialist Jeremiah Klein. The unshaven doorman takes the hat and coats of Reed and his lady friend Marjorie St. Clair. Just then, a frightened Klein held hostage by some goons in trench coats pleads for his guest's forgiveness, but his pleas are stopped by the butt of a Tommy gun to the stomach. Steel bars come down along the windows, and Klain is shot in the head. The party guests are now trapped, and a voice from the series of loudspeakers is revealed to be Aaron Vanek, an escaped convict who blames them all for his conviction and five years of incarceration. The men in trench coats open fire with their tommy guns, hurting the guests out of the ballroom and into the death house. Reed warns his comrades to be wary of death traps, and they already see two guests who have been killed by a battle axe and a crossbow arrow from a seemingly, less, seemingly harmless suit of armor on a mannequin. A trap door opens with steel spikes intended to impale Reed, but he manages to slip past the revolving door and knock out the hired goon who triggered the trap. Now armed with a lantern and a revolver, he finds only Marjorie has listened to his warnings. The other attendees have fallen through another trap door underneath them, impaled to death with the same spikes from the revolving door. More assailants start shooting at Britt and Marjorie. In tackling the lead assailant, Britain pales the secondary and leaves the first to lose his balance and fall into the same underground trap that impaled his friends. Marjorie, surrounded by death, finally breaks into a mad panic and rushes into another death trap door. Hanging by a window curtain, Brit desperately tries to save her, but when he tries to hold on 
to her by the torn curtain, it continues to rip, and she is lost. Now we're caught up to the flash forward of the opening. Using the green and ripped curtain as a makeshift mask, Reed takes a trench coat and a fedora and arms himself with a kitchen knife. He takes the fight back to the hired thugs and actually manages to lead some guests to safety. The Hornet catches up to the four gunmen from the ballroom, taking away their weapons. Holding them at gunpoint, the four goons can be heard fleeing right into the very death traps they herded the guests into earlier in the story. In true superheroic fashion, even though the Hornet is caught in a death trap with spikes on either side of the wall, he escapes and makes his way to Vanek's control room. Held at gunpoint by the Green Hornet, Vanek threatens to pull a lever and flood the entire house with poison gas, leaving no one left alive. When the Hornet tells Vanek to step away from the lever that will release the gas, he believes the Hornet to be bluffing. The way they get around the whole Hornet doesn't kill oath is that when delivering the killing blow, Reed removes his mask with this awesome rationalization. You're right, the Green Hornet won't, but Britt Reed will. The Hornet stops Vanek in the only way available by shooting him to death. Of the 120 guests, only 74 survived. And that's basically how the story ends. I, I, I think if I was going to elevator pitch it to somebody, this is kind of like the, the Saw movies meets <laughs> Batman or something. Probably sounds about right. <laughs> this this was this was an interesting read. I... Uh... I had never read this before, and I honestly didn't even know it existed. And then when you you sent it over to me, and I, I, I saw the cover with the makeshift mask and all, I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be different than anything. I'm not too well-versed in the Green Hornet's legend, uh, but it's going to be different than anything I know. And it was. But it was kind of it was kind of like Green Hornet, you know, I would, I would say, uh, I would, I would, Elevator pitch it slightly differently. I would say uh, Green Hornet uh, combined with Die Hard. Okay, mm. okay. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. But, uh, you know, it was an interesting read. It was, it, was, it was a relatively quick read. But there's a lot that goes on despite the fact that it was a quick read. So I like that. I like the artwork in it. So overall, you know, I thought this was a pretty, pretty good pick. You know, that house, the house they go to, it looks vaguely like the, uh, like the Munster's Mansion, but it's not. It's, it's close, but it's got some subtle, or, or is, is that based on some other house? I know I've seen that before. It It, it might be, I don't know. Yeah. Or like a mismatch of, of. I mean, it almost looks like, like static, like that, that one picture. Because I'm I'm looking at it now because you mentioned it like that maybe e- even the way the the cars look like it, it almost looks like I, I don't want to say like photorealistic but it looks like they they you know kind of like when you do like an etch a sketch of a photo or something yeah like if that clock tower wasn't there or that 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 high tower it and if you put a triangle peak on the right side then it would look somewhat like the monster house. So I don't know if maybe they just combine a couple, like the the Bates Motel, the house in, from Psycho with the tall tower, combined with you're, the monsters and Maid. Are you talking the picture on page four? The, yes. The first yeah. panel. Yeah, that to me looks like that's a photo that somebody 
uh, adapted to a comic panel. That that looks very. So it reminds me of. Uh, I'm not knocking the, it. I just think no, it no. It looks it looks I nice. I don't know but, it is. Yeah, but it, it clear to me it looks clearly like it was taken from a photo or maybe as you say a. Uh, uh, an amalgamation of photos because you're right now that I, I really look at that uh, that center tower there it, it does look very like Bates Motel or something like yeah, that yeah. But, and but the, but the, the way in particular that looks to be photo or photo swiped are the cars yeah to me yeah it reminds me of when uh, when Terry Gilliam would, would do something similar on like Monty Python skits where he would take actual photographs and animate them and stuff it, it looks very similar to that yeah I, I don't know if I'm burying my lead on it but I know Paul mentioned my, my blog spot and what I would do when I had the free time often is when when a lot of movies would come out like the, the Green Hornet movie that came out in 2011 you know, I created a lot of content around that time, and I put together like a top ten list of, of stories that I enjoyed from from the Green Hornet comics, and this was at like number two. So for for me, like I, I guess I, I do enjoy the story, and then I thought it was good for the purposes of this show because it, I mean it's essentially a done in one. You don't need to know too much about the character, I think, to to enjoy the story, or at least that was my. I hope it ain't. I, I kind of took it as this story is telling you, you know, whatever you, you know, whatever you do know about the Green Hornet, and I don't know too many people who are really well versed on Green Hornet, honestly. But whatever you do know, forget that because we're going to start this off differently than anything you've seen before. Hmm. That's, that's kind of the way the the attitude that I took from it. You know, we're, we're doing the uh, the mask different. Uh, again, Green Hornet didn't kill, but they kind of, you know, they said, you know, you can have an edgier Brit Reed than what you expect. This isn't, you know, this this Green Hornet is not crossing over with the Adam West Batman. Right, yeah, for sure. Although I did notice a, uh, a letter in the letters page where someone specifically asked for... Uh, I was going to say asked for that, but not necessarily asked for a crossover with Batman, but it was a, uh, what's it say here? Can you clear something up for me? When the Hornet appeared on the Batman TV show, he was drawn to Gotham by a foe named Colonel Gum. Any chance of the bad Colonel resurfacing, or was he created just for the t- uh, just for TV and out of your jurisdiction? And they actually uh, answered him that, you know, they, they could probably use that character, but they're kind of going with the the spin that the current uh, writing team is doing on, or you know, the current writer is doing on this of creating new foes and kind of doing their own things. They kind of circumvent the question that way. But uh, I, I did think that was interesting that that's mentioned because that, off the top of my head, is probably the only real uh, exposure I've ever had to. Uh, the Green Hornet, and I, you know, that you know that was it, and I don't even really remember that all that well. So, I like this story in the sense of I, I got the feeling that they were actually kind of going the other way with this. Is that you know, if you're familiar with the Green Hornet, cool, but we're doing our own thing, and I, I kind of got the feeling it was actually for more for people that may not have been familiar with the Green Hornet to kind of reintroduce the character and be able to do their own thing with it and not feel terribly 
you know, pigeonholed into a particular iteration of the character. At least that's kind of the feel I got for it. And I like that because I could clearly see where they were trying to do something new and original and, and not just have him be Batman or just not have, you know, have him not just be the shadow or something like that. Cause he does have kind of a similar look to the shadow, you know, but trying to make him unique, you know, put, put something into his makeup that, that made him stand out from other characters that are similar. And, uh, and I liked that. I thought that was actually pretty cool. I dug this. I thought this was really interesting. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I really have no real knowledge of the, I mean, about the only thing I know about the Green Hornet is his relationship to the Lone Ranger. And that was about it. That's about like the only piece of, of information I really had about the character. So I had no idea what to go into with this. Um, I remember there was, there's a friend of mine. I want to say it, maybe Jose Rivera, I forget, but there's a, a friend of mine that was really into this series and trying to collect all the issues of it um, a couple of years ago. Somebody I, I unfortunately haven't talked to in a long time, I, I, but I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Jose. And I remember him raving about this series and you know just how good it was and I needed to check it out. And I, I think at one time he, he was planning to come on uh, uh, bins or, or one of the you know one of our comic related shows and, and talk about an issue of this maybe even this particular issue I'm not sure and that unfortunately just never happened but uh, it was cool to finally get to check this out and I was shocked because I had seen this cover before and saw that it was Norm Brayfogle and so I figured it was one of two things either Brayfogle had done the cover you know, just to kind of, you know, generate some interest in it. Or maybe Brayfogle had done both the cover and the interiors. So to open this up and discover that it was actually Sal Voluto, I was like, hey, that's, you know, I had no idea. I thought that was really cool. Now, this is different than the Voluto I'm used to. It's not quite as, um, I'm not sure what word to use. I guess refined, maybe, or it, it just it does have a slightly different look. I can see that it's Voluto, but I think between the inker and now, unfortunately, their color process never really grabbed me. Um, I think the the colors are a little too light and a little too bright if that if you if you know what i mean it has kind of it, it's brightly brightly colored but then kind of almost washed out at the same time i know that sounds kind of weird you just have to kind of see it to, to know what i'm talking about so the colors or their printing process or however this is done by them just never quite worked for me it almost looks like it's colored with markers or something it's just kind of weird i never really cared for their their printing process and a lot of their you books like, suffered from that look like it seems like the colors aren't muted. They're just like, like they're on, like if it was a car, it's like, you're looking at the high beams for the color. Yeah. They're just, they're just really like orange. Yeah. Pink. Exactly. Green. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of on, they're kind of on yeah. steroids. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, and they're, I they're trying to, they're trying to give like a, a grim, ominous feel, but then I, I see what you're saying. Like, so if you, if you kind of really pay attention to it, like the yellows are very, very strong. Yeah. Now, now in this book, once it goes, once the lights go out, the color palette kind of changes. It's not as strong, and your only light source is usually the lanterns. And that kind of, I kind of like it when it comes out like that. 
like on the like on page fourteen where where Reed's holding the where he's got the lantern behind him and his eyes are wide and he's looking off like into the darkness because he hears the people screaming. Right. Uh, you know, I like that shot there. I think that's pretty cool. I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the the letter column, Scott, with the the Colonel Gum connection because I I could be wrong because I haven't been keeping up with that batman 66 comic that much i've read a couple issues of it you know because i was listening to like supermates and things like that but mm-hmm. i haven't kept up with all of them but if if i'm remembering correctly i think that the actor who plays the colonel which is the same guy who is on what he's harry mudd and cyclonus i'm trying to remember the actor's name but i, I think he, carmichael or yeah carmichael. I, I think yeah. so yeah and i i think his estate didn't sign off on the whole licensing deal going on with Batman 66 product now. So, so even though maybe they kind of insinuated they could have done a, you know, a Colonel Gum story, they probably can in Batman 66 now. But the, he certainly doesn't have the likeness of of that actor. So, I, I think that's kind of interesting. And then I guess the, the only other thing I'd say is that I, I would probably. I mean, if, if, I, if I was going to recommend anything else of the Green Hornet, I mean, obviously I would point to my top ten list, but, but two things in particular that I think of uh, when I think of maybe your interest, Scott, is there's a miniseries called um, Sting of the Hornet, and it's this same uh, Brit Reed the First character, but it's, it's a lot more, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like an Indiana Jones slash Captain America Sentinel of Liberty adventure where it's like Green Hornet and Kato fighting Nazis with like, you know, hot blonde girl from like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade type vibe, you know? So like there's there's that kind of aspect and it's, you know, four issues. It's not too much of a time commitment or anything like that. And then probably the other thing that I'd probably say is the, that original run that, that I think I believe it's 48 is how you pronounce his name, but it's Ron yeah. 48 who wrote like the majority of that now comics run, and then they did like a second volume with Dixon, which is fine. But then I think it feels better once that writer comes back to volume two and starts picking up pieces of how, how that series kind of kept going. But like the first like seven issues or so, like where they set up the whole dynamic and kind of about all the generational stuff, like kind of calling back to what you said about your experience, like knowing that the Green Hornet was related to the Lone Ranger. I mean, that's that's specifically mentioned sort of subtly in, in that first seven issues where you could tell they knew their stuff because you've got, you know, an aging Paul Reed and he's like looking at this basically like photo or painting in his study and you can see it's, it's the Lone Ranger. You know, it's like he's fully but it, you know it's definitely the Lone Ranger so like there's a lot of cool stuff like that I, I it's not part of my official history of comics videos but I did do like three history of the Green Hornet videos where I like looked at the, the first two serials in the Van Williams television series and I tried to incorporate as much of the comic book stuff as I could into it like all the, the comics I liked you know usually in the hopes that people would see that kind of go that looks cool maybe i should read that you know like that's usually what my my hope is when i when i do a lot of those well it's funny as i was looking at uh the letters page the next page beyond the letters page is just a little uh 
you know, info thing about other things happening at, uh, at now comics and such. And there's that little article that you just referred to that says, you know, the Hornets original writer is back. And then the first two words of the article was Ron 48. It was so funny when I saw that it really jumped out to me because I'm actually Facebook friends with him and was just reading something he had written uh, today. And I just, it was just weird. You know, it's like, you know, you ever make Facebook friends with somebody and then you've been friends so long, but you're not, you're not like friends in real life. So you kind of forget like, why am I friends with this person? I'm just, you know, and it was one of those things where I'd kind of forgotten. Oh yeah. He's a comic book writer. He was just, he's just another one of my Facebook friends. So it was just so weird to see his name pop up in this article today after I had just been reading something that he posted uh, online. I just thought that was funny, but uh, he, he seems like a really cool guy. And uh, I'm curious to read uh, that earlier series now. It it sounds interesting. Yeah, I I think all the stuff that has his stamp on it is really good. That's not to decry from any of the the Chuck Dixon issues in the least, but I I really did enjoy, you know, his work on it. Because it seems like, like, especially that character, Mishi Kato, like, it it seems like after he leaves the book, they kind of go into some places with her that I wasn't too happy with. And then kind of like once... Once 48 comes back, then all of a sudden it's like that character is back on track again, and you you feel a lot better about it, you know, like it, than than you did when when she was sort of, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to spoil it, but she goes down some paths, and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right, you know, and and, and then once he came back to the book, then it seemed like the trains were back on the track again, and everything sort of made sense, right. So my the biggest thing I got a kick out of with this, you know, it really tickled me was as I was looking at this and especially as I was looking at the cover before I started reading it, I was like, you know, I, I think I have an issue with this series somewhere in my in my vast unread pile. So after I read it and everything, I, I was curious, especially after finding out that it was Sal Valuto. So I'm like, I wonder what issue of this series I have if I if I do have one from this actual series. So I went and dug it out. I have this issue. I'd never read it mm-hmm. before, but I still have it. And what's funny, if you look on the cover at the very top above the logo where it says Tales of the Green Hornet, it says free limited edition hologram card. Well, this issue, you might be able to hear this on the mic here if I, if I do this, was actually sealed in a bag, similar to how they did, like, uh, I think it was like what, like X-Force number one and some others, you know, back in the yeah. day. This is actually still sealed in the bag, so it's never been removed from the bag. And it's mint. It's mint. It's mint. It is. It's, it's mint. Look it up. Look it up in the price guide. You know, you know what you can charge for it. And the the hologram is actually it, it's a card and it's right in the front, so you can actually see it. You don't have to. I mean, you 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 know what you're getting before you even purchase it, which I thought was really cool. They didn't like hide it in the middle of the book or something. You can actually see it right there, and it is actually a really nice hologram picture. I don't know who the artist is on that. I don't believe that Salvaluto could be, but I don't think it is. And you know what's but got more the classic uh, Green Hornet and Cato uh, in that picture because Cato is actually holding a throwing star. Now, as a selling point, you could say, you know, you could put on eBay this issue discussed on Back to the Bins episode <laughs> blah 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 blah. Well, you know you. You joke, but what's funny is that there's a piece of masking tape stuck to the cover. Now, again, it's it's in the bag, so it's protected and everything, but there's a piece of masking tape here, and it's got written on the piece of masking tape, very small letter, or very small numbers, rather. It just says 2,000. 
So I'm thinking, is that a price? Did this actually price as as high as twenty bucks at one point? Because I'm wondering if that's a price sticker. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I know at one time, uh, again, according to my friend, I know that this was hard to find. But was it valuable at any point? Did it actually price as high as twenty bucks in the back issue market? I honestly don't know. I don't even know where the hell I got this. I just remembered having had an issue in my collection somewhere. I'm sure I bought it as, you know, part of a larger collection or whatever, and just ha- held on to it for whatever. Probably because the, I probably held on to this for no other reason than the hologram is just damn cool. That is a really cool hologram. I just like that picture. But uh, yeah, the, the only place I was using as reference for certain information on the actual issue, it's funny, they, they have that hologram card listed, but it's like script, pencils, inks, colors. It's like got a bunch of question marks by it because it's like seems like <laughs> nobody, nobody knows, you know? Yeah, I, I, it looks so familiar to me. The art style does, but I'd be I'd be really hard pressed to to place exactly who I think it is. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't even venture a guess at the moment, but it, it is nice. Uh, I don't know how you guys are looking at this. I don't know if you're looking at the CBR, but uh, uh, the CBR I have of this actually does have the hologram on the very last page. It's it's pretty nice. I, th- I think it's a nice piece of art. As a matter of fact, maybe I'll uh, I'll slap it up on our Facebook group or something so the the listeners can take a look at it as well if they're interested. But uh, that that just tickled me no end. I'm like, holy crap! I have actually have this issue and didn't even know it. So I thought that was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But that's all I got on it. I uh, I dug it. I thought it was interesting. Something new. The only thing I noticed, and I think it's from doing enough of these shows, I I, I sometimes try to pick up on things the artist has done or, or the just just to make certain things stand out and i'm noticing all the all the panels are straight except for a few and in those few that are like cockeyed or turned at an angle usually there's something dramatic happening like when the first bars uh drop down on the windows you've got two two panels that are actually askew from the rest of them and then the next and that's on page eight of the art, and then the next time you see it is, um, well, the one that really made me that that it brought to my attention is on page seventeen, after um, when Marjorie falls into the pit and basically, um, you know, Reed loses his sanity there for a minute because he's got that insane look. He's holding the 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 rip shred of the of the curtain he's got the, the lantern and he's looking up and just laughing and then the next one you could see where he's like now now he's in shock but that one's back to straight but it's like the first one he had a break and that panel is like really that's the panel that's the most askew in the book and then you go towards the end and then the, the next time you see the panels that are askew is when he's breaking in and he's um, attacking um, what's his face? I can't remember his name. Um, oh, Bannock. Bannock. When he's attacking Bannock, um, you got two in a row to where you hear people screaming and everything. Um, and then he busts out down the door. And then when he's confronting him, that one's a little bit askew. And then, then like the the one where he rips the mask off is almost like it's pulled out and then turned because you can see where it was. Like where it was in the book, it's like it's 
it's like he's you know because he won't kill them as the green hornet and it's almost like it's just odd that the artist pulled that panel out and then turned it but you can see where the panel used to be and then it's somewhat in the next one too it's pulled out and turned in the opposite direction as he's ripping off the mask and i i'm, I'm assuming that was they did that you know their own artistic take on it just like every time there's something really dramatic happening to uh read um well to the brit uh yeah i mean did, did you guys pick up on that do you see where i'm going with that no i i, I see all the the kind of it, it's almost like in that that last page it's like uh, an after shadow of where the panel right. would have originally been composed and and what's kind of cool about that is you can see there's some actual artistry behind that like what you're talking about there's an actual reason behind it as opposed to you know i guess if you want to like point fingers at like you know image guys or, or whatever kind of like the flashy 90s art where you know it, the panel borders break just because somebody couldn't be bothered to you know, draw an arm correctly or something. Mm -hmm. or, you, you know what I mean? Like, whereas this, the, the everything you pointed to has for it. It's it's like the the scene where he's cracking up. And it kind of reminds me of like the old Robin meets Man Bat Power Records. The way he, he's got that kind of look on his face, where he's like mm -hmm. he's losing it a little bit. And and then you know when he finally you know busts in the door and you know, Finally, you know, just rips off his mask and, and shoots the guy in the face. You know, it's like that. Those are the moments where everything's kind of askew and, and out of place. So, yeah, I, I totally see that. Yeah, yeah I, I hadn't noticed the askew panels until you pointed it out, Bill. I just kind of read it through and was oblivious to it. But when you pointed it out, I think it is a nice artistic touch that they added to it. Uh, the one thing I, I don't know that I agree with was you said he went crazy for a second there. I'm pretty confident he went crazy for the remainder of the book. <laughs> and, and, and I, I think uh, I think you well, might see some signs of that as the story continues after this. Well, yeah, he, yes, but I mean, but but he like he had a break there, but then he kind of came, he snapped back, and he he could function. But it's like right right in those two panels, he was totally broken for a second. Yeah, fair enough. Make me defend myself. <laughs> I, I complimented you. I said you point you so I, 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 I didn't I see don't. it. I don't know. It's very difficult. Not often I get one over on you, old guys. That's that's the thing. At, at my age, you can barely tell if something's askew. But <laughs> you can see the page at all. Anyway. Well, if this did ever go for twenty bucks, it sure doesn't now, because you can have one for uh, five fifty on eBay. So, I, I'm, I know I'm really... honestly, I'm surprised it goes for that much. Not that it wasn't a good story, you know, but it just seems like one of those '90s books that you'd see in the, you know, in the twenty-five cent bins. Yeah, it might be without the card. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be the card in the bag that's keeping that value up. Well, plus the fact, I mean, you have to keep in mind this is eBay and, you know, these days you can't you can't find 50 cent books for 50 cents on there. You know, 50 cent books are five bucks because everybody jacks up the damn shipping charge on everything to cover all the eBay and PayPal fees. So there's that. So realistically, yeah, you know, these days it probably is, you know, a buck or two. 
I don't know about 50 cents. I don't know if I've ever seen any of these in the 50 cent bin. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm looking at some of the other covers of the other issues in the series, and I, I, I don't recognize any of the other ones. Like I say, I was kind of led to believe that this series was a bit hard to find. I, again, I don't know that that necessarily translates into valuable, but just you know, hard to find. I, I wonder if maybe the print run was a little bit low. Yeah, but. now Matt Comics was making the same amount of comics that Marvel and DC were probably, so you're probably right about that. Right, yeah. I, I doubt they were with this particular title. They, they may have been with their more... Uh, you know, with their bigger license thing, especially like Terminator. I think Terminator, you know, despite the quality on that series, my my impression always was that Terminator actually sold pretty well for, you know, the bulk of its run. Yeah, I, I remember getting some of those, like, off of Spinner Racks even before I knew what a, a comic shop was, the, the now Terminator comics. But I think most of the Green Hornet stuff was when I was actually, you know, going to a honest thinking you know, comic shop, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, that's a uh, that's an episode I'd like us to, to maybe think about doing sometime is, uh, is to do an episode on Now Comics and just the, you know, the short-lived history of that company because, you know, while they were around, I was kind of into Now because I, I did, I collected every issue of Terminator and every issue of uh, Fright Night and month after month they were both a, uh, a repeated lesson in frustration because I just kept wanting them <laughs> to be better than they were and they just never they never got there unfortunately I know my you one know. experience with now Terminator book was not all that solid yeah. I, I feel it, like I was always lured by the license kind of like how people were lured by like you know NES 8-bit video games where you're like, oh boy, it's Silver Surfer, and then you play right. the game and you're like, oh my god, this is horrible, you know. And it was like, you know, I'd be like, oh boy, it's Twilight Zone. I love Twilight Zone, and then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, with the with the Terminator, I was always so surprised that they got the Terminator because until and I know this probably sounds really weird in retrospect now because there's been like what 17 movies. But up until Terminator 2 came out, I was always under the impression that the original Terminator was kind of just like a like a small underground hit, you know, kind of like Highlander or something like that. Like the people who knew about it loved it, but it wasn't like a widely known thing. So when they got the license for it, it just tickled me so much. I'm like, all right, awesome, more Terminator. And again, I just, you know, issue after issue kept waiting for it to actually be good and it never really got there i mean some issues are okay but for the most part it's pretty lackluster and then same thing with uh with fright night you know fright night to me was a movie like me and like three of my friends had seen and that was it nobody else had ever seen it or heard of it so when they got the license to do fright night it was the same thing i'm like damn this is gonna be awesome and it never really was so yeah i I really liked now, and I was I was happy to subscribe to them and everything. But unfortunately, they just they never quite got there. And I've always been curious to check out you know some of their other books. So this you know this was a, a was a fun revisit to a company that I, I wish had had gotten their shit together and stuck around longer than they did. Unfortunately, because I know they were trying, but they just they never did make a go of it. Unfortunately. I think we're ready to rate this one. Sure. You're first, Eric. All right. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I want to bury the lead. Obviously, this is this is one of my favorite Green Hornet stories. So, I, I gave the cover a B. 
I, I like the cover a lot, but going by sort of Paul's criteria of, you know, is it a classic cover? Like, is it going to stand the test of time? It's like, I, I really do like the cover. It's got Norm Brayfogle. It's awesome, but I don't think it's quite up there with, you know, classic, epic, you know, going to be remembered forever covers. So I gave it a B. The interior art, I really, really did like. I mean, I know despite, you know, the talk about the coloring and the inking, and I could see all those points, I, I, I kind of am just going based on, like, the pencils and everything, and I, I really, really did like it. So I gave that. And then the story itself, again, I like it, but it's not it's not the end-all, be-all of stories. But, like I said, it's probably one of my second favorite Green Hornet stories. So I gave it a B and that pretty much comes out to a B-plus book. So that's kind of how I graded it. All right. I'll go next. Um, I uh, I really like the cover on this. I'm a big uh, Brayfogle mark. I've always enjoyed his stuff. I was a huge fan of his Batman stuff. Um, I like the cover. I don't think it's one of his better covers necessarily, but again, I, I think part of that may be the coloring as well or just the printing process on this. So... I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go a B plus. I, I dig it quite a bit, so I thought that was pretty good. Um, the interior art, uh, I really enjoy it a lot, despite the shortcomings. And again, I'm putting a lot of the shortcomings on the art uh, on the printing process, not necessarily uh, the inker, not necessarily the colorist, but I think the I think now's overall printing process just. It, it was, it, in a lot of ways, I think now is kind of like the Charlton of its day. It, it's just something about the way they printed their comics was not flattering to the art and the, and the finished product. So uh, that's where I think the, my problems with it really lie. I, I don't really think it's with the art itself. Um, I enjoy it. I think it's really good. I think they're trying to go for a very moody period piece. And I think if this was printed on say, traditional newsprint comics, uh, I think it would look a hell of a lot better than it actually does. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to forgive some of uh, what I don't like about it. And it is very dynamic. I mean, there's some poses and shots of the Green Hornet in action that look damn cool. And that last shot of him um, in the costume on the last page where he rips the mask off and he says, but Britt Reed will, I mean, that's a great piece of art right there. That just looks fantastic as he's firing his gun. So I like that a lot. So, um, the art, uh, again, I think I would go a, a, a B plus, uh, on the art. I really dig it. It's not quite an a, um, and I, you know, I definitely think that, uh, Voluto refined his, his style over time because by the time, you know, just a, about a year and a half after this where he was working on, say, uh, uh, Justice League Task Force, I think by that time he was an A artist. I really in, enjoyed his stuff and it was dynamic enough that I've remembered him all these years despite that being a fairly small title. Um, the story... Um, I enjoyed it. It didn't, you know, change the world or anything, but it was enough to, that I could follow it and it and it helped inform a lot of, you know, fill in a lot of the blanks about a character I really don't know anything about. Um, so story-wise, I, th I think I would go a C plus. Uh, you know, it wasn't fantastic, but it was enjoyable and I, I really thought it was pretty cool. So I think an overall grade of like a B. Uh, it's pretty fair for this one. Uh, I got a kick out of it. I thought it was good stuff. Actually, I will go a, uh, a B plus because they threw in the uh, hologram card. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, uh, 
You want I'm to gonna jump in. Yeah. Um, on the cover, uh, yeah, it's always nice to see Norm Bray focal. Um, but yeah, this isn't. It's it's not an A. It's not a C. So obviously it would be uh, a Z. No, it would be a just like that A B. Um, and again, this is something that you actually will see in the comic somewhat. Maybe not this exact scene, but the events that take place here will be portrayed in the book, which is, you know, so the so the cover does have some meaning to it. Uh, the interior art is, I, I'm not really that familiar with Sal Baluto, so I think this is my first conscious, you know, representation of his art that I've that that has come to my notice so I'll have to keep keep an eye out I saw the link that you posted Scott with some of his other stuff so I'll have to check some of that out were you on the episode where where we did um, JSA All-Stars number one were you on that episode I don't think so okay I I don't think he was okay yeah so um so I mean, from what I see here, and I don't know if he was instrumental in choosing the layout of the panels and and how they were shown, or if that was more on the writer's idea or a collaborative effort. But um, I'm I'm going to give the the art a a B plus, and the story a B plus as well because I like the twist at the end where you know by getting around getting around the the killing loophole, you just pull the mask off and you're somebody else. So, overall, B-plus for the book. Okay. And that leaves me. Uh, I don't know. There's something about the cover. I like it, but there's something about it that just doesn't quite catch it for me. So, I think it's above average, but not far enough above average to really go too high, so I'm going to give it a B- minus from me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just all the black space on the sides or something. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that just doesn't quite catch it for me. Uh, the interior art, I feel like this is good 90s style. Um, you know, we, we've seen bad 90s, we've seen good 90s. I think this is good 90s. I think the storytelling is pretty good. I think it's it's got a nice brisk pace to it. Um, the individual drawings, I, I really didn't see any that I, that particularly, you know, that that I didn't like at all. Uh, I think the interior art's pretty solid, and the coloring. I don't mind the bright coloring. That that never really bothered me. So I'm going to say a B plus on the interior art. And story wise, I I got a kick out of this one. I thought it was you know again you know this isn't your father's Green Hornet kind of thing. Uh, so I'm going to say a B plus on the story as well, and overall I'll give the book a B. That said, moving on to our second book of the night, which would be an Avengers Spotlight normally, but in honor of Derek, we're going to just make it a regular Bins book. Did I lose everybody? Is anybody still here? I'm still here. You might I'd say, let's make it a crossover. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was muted. I was sorry. talking and everything. I'm going, blah, 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 blah. And, and then you go, am I still here? And I look up, oh, crap, I'm muted. <laughs> so I, you, I gave was, me the, uh, you gave me the perfect segue, and I blew it. I, I was listening, but I was also looking at the link 
Scott shared and dreaming of commissions and, and full colored inked Alberto commissions. Actually, it was all the cough syrup I had earlier was starting to affect me. I think I took in that. No, I'm just kidding. So, oh wait, stand by. My wife's writing me a note because she doesn't want to say anything. Turn to our, oh, you, you could turn on Dr. Bill's Ch- Chinese laundry anytime, honey. Yeah. All right. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Well, Ernie Chan in the in the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a show unless we have Dr. Bill's laundry. Yeah, go ahead, turn it on. She's like she she's miming. I live with a mime, folks. She doesn't talk. She just mimes and writes. She's notes. trying to be respectful and not interrupt. I know. I, I I know she is. But give credit where it's due. She loves me. Is well, she walking well, I didn't in say the wind? That. <laughs> is she trapped in a box? What the cat? I fed the cat. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, she's trapped in a box. I fed the it's cat. Called this I house. Fed, I fed him the dog. <laughs> Alvin Lecter. So you got so, a book, Yes, I got a book in honor of the. See now, I can redo this speech I did while I was muted, in honor of the uh, the the kindness of our guest host. I decided I was going to cover Avengers number sixteen, and I know Kirk uh, Kirk Greenfield's been chopping at the bit for us to do this book as well. So everybody's happy this time. Aren't you? I'm not, I'm not happy. Oh. Well, you're here all the time, so who cares if you're happy? Scott, you happy? Yeah. Later on, I'll be covering the books that I got, too. Oh, wait. I, I already <laughs> covered the book I got. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm and very Derek's happy for you. Yay! So tonight I'm going to be covering Avengers number 16, and since it's an Avengers book and I'm a lazy pile of stuff... Um, I, of course, am cheating. Lazy pile of Bill. I'm using my official Marvel, the the official Marvel index. I'm also using Mike's Amazing World. So, man, I'm just glomming stuff from all over the place. What so, a lazy shit. Oh, I was I thought I was muted. Sorry. Oh, man. Oh, you cut me to the quick. <laughs> so, Avengers number 16, cover date May 1965, on sale date March 1965. Uh, Paul. Where were yes. you in 1965? I would have been... What is it, March? I would have been two years old. Two. two um, probably, so you were probably teething. Just, probably just starting dating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your your mustache had come in and uh, at the age of two. You were you were probably using this book to teeth on or something. No? Maybe? Maybe not? Maybe, I don't no? know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, our cover is by Stan Lee. Not Stan Lee. Dummy. What? Jack Jack Kirby and Inker Dick Ayers. And we have a shot of Cap looking like he's doing some new type of aerobics workout, but he's yelling, Avengers Assemble! Spectacular special issue. The start of a great, of a great new Avengers lineup. And in the background, we have a bunch of, uh, I guess, photos of various people some of them are villains some of them are heroes some of them are currently on the team some of them will be on the team it's almost like you know they just had a bunch of pinups and stuck them on a wall behind cap some are like jones who isn't even really in the book very much yeah who's the dude in the upper right hand corner 
above the enchantress. A, is that the mole man? That's the melter. That's the melter. Oh, okay. The smelter. The smelter. 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 I hardly even he, knew her. He who smelt it. Smelt <laughs> it. Yeah, you've got the smelter. The the smelter. Now I'm calling them smelter. <laughs> That's the one we know and love. The Belter, the Executioner, the Enchantress, uh, Tony's... You got Iron Man with no pants because he's behind Cap's leg. So he's like, he's probably going commando there. Uh, then you got the Wasp. Then you got uh, the Black Knight underneath Cap's crotch. Uh, you got Giant Man looking like Ant-Man about ready to punch uh, Cap in the Achilles tendon. I like uh, the, lav- the Lavender Witch. <laughs> you got the Lavender Witch... Who looks like uh, Cap might have dealt it because where she's positioned and the face she's making. She looks Thor like lo- she's in the picture, like she's tapping, like, you know, can I get out of here? You know, she's like tapping hello, on the glass. Hello. <laughs> you got Rick Jones sniffing Cap's ar- armpit. <laughs> Hawkeye about to shoot him in the ass with an arrow. Twing. Like he's Cupid. <laughs> And the Quicksilver's just running away, as usual. And Maybe that's Thor, why Cap's making that face, because he already got hit with one arrow. Ah, ah! He's saying, Avengers, assemble! <laughs> and Thor looks like he's hugging his hammer for dear life, like he's just frightened by this whole scene that's taking place. I love you, Hammer. It's like, my favorite mo- Oh, my shoulder. I love you, my shoulder. You're my favorite. <laughs> Nobody take my hammer. I'll turn into a puny human. Is it just me, or the way he's holding his lance, the Black Knight looks like like the mosquito or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to mute myself. I had to cough so hard. But <laughs> I didn't want to... And I, I think the Enchantress is trying to scare us. Ah! ah. <laughs> Gonna get you. And the Smelter's doing a dance. He's he's smelter. he's rapping. He's he he's rapping. Check me out. He's breakdancing. He's he's getting ready to go into breakdance. Is what? He looks like he's about to fall over. Like he just stepped on a patch of black ice or something. Oh shit! Well, it's right there under his foot. You see that black ice right there. Right. <laughs> Zip, boom. Well, luckily he can melt it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. oh. <sighs> he's got a giant man fighting a building. Take that, building! No, he's going to punch Cap in the ankle. <laughs> he's he's going to hit him right in the ankle. Right in, the, right, right in his calf muscle. Ow. Take that. All right. Back to the back to the issue proper. <laughs> you never got to the issue. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I well, and, and the title of our story is "The Old Order Changeth," written by Stan Lee. Huh? I got that right that time. Penciler Jack Kirby, inker Dick Ayers, and letter is Artie Simic. And the synopsis is: With Captain America gone, the remaining Avengers battle the remnants of the Masters of Evil, using Thor's hammer to transport them to another dimension where the masters are easily defeated due to the extra dimensional physics. Why? Science! In South America, Cap and Rick Jones I'm Rick Jones, bitch! have buried the now deceased Baron Zemo 
After freeing the natives, Cap and Rick briefly fight Zemo's remaining soldiers before the soldiers flee into the jungles. No, they blew up the damn plane. That's what they... No, whatever. Soon afterwards, Thor departs unexpectedly for Asgard. See ya! Back at Avengers Mansion, the Avengers are stunned when the criminal archer Hawkeye breaks in and announces his desire to join the Avengers. The team allows him to join as a as a probationer. Probationary. Probationer? Proby? We'll call him Proby. Then, contact Namor, who respectfully, yeah, like Namor ever respectfully declines anything, declines the Avengers membership. Learning of Hawkeye's joining and that the Avengers are considering other recruits, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch request membership as well. You know what? I, I, I just got to pause wait. for a second. It's almost like they... It's like, what, did they put the call out on Craigslist or something for, you know, hey, we need people for the team. How How is Namor telling them, you know, once I've conquered your people, I might think about it. How is that respectfully exactly? Hey, that's but, that's know. a synopsis I'm reading, which that's, that's why I have problems <laughs> with this. That, that's why I brought it up. Shortly after Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch arrive in New York to be, uh, uh, to be met by Tony Stark, Cap and Rick make it back from South America. And, you know, I got to stop here again. So they knew it's like they knew they were going to South America. The team wraps up with the Masters of Evil. I don't know. They don't go down and see how Cap's doing. Cap has to fend for himself and find his way to the frickin' jungle to find his way back to civilization. But anyway, Cap and Rick make it back from South America to find a crowd gathered outside Avengers Mansion. Avoiding the crowd, Cap enters the mansion to find that the founding Avengers are taking a leave of absence leaving Hawkeye, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch as their replacements. Despite his apprehension, Cap agrees to lead the new team. As the new Avengers lineup goes outside to meet the press, the founders slip away and return to their private lives, never to be seen again. Yeah, right. Well, they don't say never to be seen again. I just added it in there for a dramatic effect. So... <laughs> Alright, we've already ripped up the cover. We might as well just go right into the book. <laughs> Um, so the smelter, he's, he decides to take out a light pole and it's like the Avengers just don't really quite know what to do until that's, uh, Tony Stark is use plan D. Now, I don't know. Is plan D send him to an extra dimensional realm? Apparently. Uh, I guess. Cause Thor's like, Oh, of course. Should have thought of that myself. Stay back. All of you. And he spins around and he takes all of them except for um, uh, the Enchantress and the Executioner, which maybe people who have an E in the beginning of their name can't get teleported. I don't know. Well, well, well they say it's because they're immortals. They knew what Thor was getting ready to do. Yeah, but now it's because every, yeah. everybody's gone. Okay. Again, they're immortals. Asgardians. Somewhat godlike beings. So, the Executioner says, they're gone, only we two remain. And the Enchantress says, we dare not face the anger of an entire city. We must flee while we still can. Our chance will come in. Like, you wimps. You are more powerful than the two that got sucked away. You should just be taking over everything. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I was so frustrated with that. <laughs> and then, then, um, yeah, and then in the other dimension, as soon as they use their their weapons against the Avengers, 
Which the whole time the Avengers have been standing there like waiting, like, okay, all right, go ahead, do something because, aha, look at that. Uh, your own weapons t- took you out because this is the, uh, you know, the does whatever we want it to dimension. Natural laws are reversed in different dimensions. We gambled that you would attack us before you realized that your own weapons would trap you here. What? What? What, anyway. what the heck is that all about? Yeah. Let's just, let's just, let's make up something stupid to put in the book. Yeah, so Thor decides to send them all back, and just, just before well, the Wasps say, I wonder how Captain America made it, made out with uh, Zemo in South America. Well, I think they probably had a little wine first, and then they kissed each other. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. Because next we see, obviously, things didn't okay, go too well. Actually, be- before we transition, can I, can I just say something here? I don't... I, I don't understand the melter. I'm confused and irritated. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He doesn't melt things. He destabilizes things. Because melting implies he's he's heating it to a point where it, you know, it okay, melts. Well, it's, it, it's a lot harder in a battle to say, destabilizer. Well, it's Quick. one of these things where I, I don't want to criticize Stan. I love Stan Lee. But I'm reading my way back through this whole era. You know, I'm 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 on a, a, a read through of early Marvel, and so this guy's popped so up several melting. times now. And and I just read another story where he just came back again in Tales of Suspense, battling Iron Man. So you're and melting the, your way through the stories. Well, the 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 appearance was bugging me so much that I was finally like, all right, damn it, I just got to look this guy up. So I looked him up and I read his his Wikipedia or whatever. And right in the article, one of the first things it says is it basically says what I thought all along. This guy is misnamed because he's not truly melting anything. Because that was that was the thing I the thing that kept bugging me was he he would. hmm? I think Bill should take this book to Marvel Comics and tell them that they misnamed him. It was it was false advertising, and he wants his twelve cents back. But no, I mean, Stanley. He he would hit. I don't know if he. I don't think he does it in this issue. But there would be times where he would fight Iron Man, and he would catch him in his beam, and Iron Man's armor would quote unquote melt off of him. And I'm thinking if he heated iron to its melting point, then when it melts off of him, you would think that Tony Stark in there would be going, Ah, shit, that burns. And he never does. So that was my clue that, okay, he's not truly melting the armor. He's somehow, like, dis, you know, uh, disrupting it. You know, like, like or, molecularly... Or I, I scenario number two at you. Maybe it's just shit, shitly written stories. No, nope. I'm going to take... I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a page from the Fantastic cast and say, Asbestos! Tony Stark had asbestos underwear. That's uh, uh, undergarments. That's why he didn't burn. But no, what just just so you know, asbestos will not melt, but it doesn't stop heat. So you'll still get burned through the asbestos. It was liquid cooled asbestos. It it won't burn. According to what I read, it it did say that his what his power actually is is that he's destabilizing metals. Because his power just works on metal objects, no matter what the metal is. So that's, again, why it's so confusing with this guy being called the Melter in the way that it's depicted in the art as if 
there's heat involved. But the article clearly says there is no heat. So there's he is there's no induction going on here. Right. It's, well, it, he's molecularly destabilizing the metal to where it just basically falls apart. Well, but, and even in the and even in on page two, the art when he melts the light pole, the the ground's on fire. There's flame underneath it. Right, so, yeah. exactly. That's what I'm saying, and that's why this guy just irritates the shit out of me because he's he's very inconsistent in the way that they're, you know, they're portraying him. Maybe and he's uh, and it was just a shit character. He is a shit character. He really is. But the you know the thing is is you know, I I'm also one of those guys like Andy Leyland. You know, I'm of the opinion that there there really aren't shit characters. You know, if, if somebody would just handle him properly. Yeah, because the idea, a little closer before you say that. You know, the idea that this guy could actually have a power to where he could strip Iron Man of his armor—that that's actually kind of a cool idea. That's an interesting idea. It's just it's the way that they handle it. You know, the guy's got a lame name, a, a lame code name, and in this instance, he has a really lame uh, costume. Although his costume would get. You know, it would change and it would get at least slightly better later on. So I think he, ha- I think that's why he irritates me. He has great potential. They're just, you know, it's like Stan didn't understand the the definition of the word melt. You know, <laughs> he had so, a completely so different idea Stan. in mind. Yeah, I, I've no- not, not I've only that it. though. Not only does is his power ill defined, but we're gonna have him shoot it out of his chest. So he has to aim his chest at whatever he wants to shoot. Instead of saying, well, you know what? gun, or have it come out, come out of his hands. Well, you know, actually the smelter would probably be a more better definition because smelting is a chemical process where it's, it's to melt ores in order to extract the metals they contain. So he actually is probably more of a smelter than a melter. <laughs> what's, wrong with, <laughs> what's wrong with the disruptor? You know, well, okay, something a little closer her. to what he's actually doing. You know, he can't just be called the quote melter and he's on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he says his name, he has to do air quotes every time. That would be awesome. I'd love to see it's that like, depicted. He's like, I am quote unquote melting okay. you. <laughs> then he's got to explain it to everybody. I'm not really melting you, I'm disrupting you. <laughs> See, it's all because. Uh, oh, oh, wait, where where'd everybody go? Oh. Um, Hold on, while before, I aim my chest at you. Actually, before we do go further, I want to jump back to the first splash because I forgot about this. There's two people that I want to point out. One, the lady in yellow that's getting trampled by the guys running away <laughs> on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> and two is the guy between Thor and over uh, Thor and, and Iron Man's shoulder. looks like he's dancing. Like, he's getting ready. You could just see him going back and forth with his arms. Dun, 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 well, the, the people dun. at the very bottom of the picture actually look like they're, like, like they've been shrunken. Because look at everybody else. Like, like Thor, for example. That woman is the same size as Thor's leg from the knee down. It's, it's weird. It's like they're all tiny people. Yeah, that's right, because she would actually be closer to us, so you'd think she would be bigger. But I don't know. We're looking, yeah. And the guy behind, behind Giant Man, his, uh, his neck is broken, apparently. His head's completely turned around. I don't around know. That's, he's, yeah. He's, admi- he's admiring Giant Man's uh, back Bulge. view. 
All right, back to where we were. Uh, so yeah, Caps in the jungle. Rick Rick Jones is wearing a sweater vest in the jungle. It's gotta be, yeah. <laughs> He's pairing Zemo and. Uh, Cap has to bury Zemo himself. <laughs> I think like, get in here, Jones. You bury him. Wasn't, wasn't, he, wasn't he under like an avalanche of stones anyway? Yeah. I would have just left him. He's buried. Yeah, he's done. Karen, right? All done. Oh, mighty is the red, white, and blue Avenger. All hail our new chieftain. All hail Captain America. Was I this in a, our new chieftain? Was this cap <laughs> sequence that's in this book? Was this in the cartoons? I don't think so. Like, no, because I because I, I think I think it goes. I'm trying to remember the the commissar issue you guys just did. Like that was in the cartoons. <laughs> The when they find him in the ice, like Avengers Four is definitely in the cartoons, right? And then I'm trying to remember what it does. Like Hawkeye and the Swordsman were on the cartoons, but I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure there's not an episode where they actually, you know, get together. Like the the episode where Zemo gets killed is in the cartoons, though. But I don't yeah. think they follow it up with this story because because i don't think there's anything about you know namor or you know them recruiting you know it's like it's just you wake up one morning in the episode it's like hey the avengers are like hawkeye quicksilver and scarlet witch now and oh by the way we're gonna fight the swordsman like they they didn't really go into how that came to be i think it just aired or something right Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, in the ensuing fight with the mercenaries, you lose the uh, the plane gets lost because I guess nobody knows how to stop a grenade. You know, duck cap, whoop, boom, and cap just leaves the mercenaries to run off in the jungle and be killed by the natives. <laughs> nice job, Captain America. Meanwhile, back in the in the real world, the the rest of the Avengers don't really seem to care about Captain about Cap. They're wondering uh, all about themselves and um, the fact that that Thor took off, and that's when Haw- Hawkeye makes his debut. I mean, you get a flashback sequence about him and the Black Widow back in uh, Iron Man was fifty seven, I believe, and and then uh, <laughs> he unties Jarvis with using three arrows shot from his bow. Now, is and, he the one that tied up Jarvis in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he took off Jarvis's nose, slit his wrists, and ripped his <laughs> out his Achilles tendon with his three arrows. Sing, sing, swang, six, shoo. But before you get too far, like, I just. Isn't it weird? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but. I find it funny when Giant Man and Wasp, like, Wasp complaining in these early issues makes sense to me. But, like, I like how when she does it and says, well, we all need a vacation. We all need some time off. And, of course, you know, Hank's going to go, oh, of course, honey, I agree with you. But then, like, Iron Man agrees with them, too. And he's like, why don't we just disband? You know, and I'm just kind of like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean just disband? Like, aren't you, like, I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up where he's like, in fact, why don't we just quit the Avengers while well, we all have the chance. You know, like, they were really desperate to, to get replacements at that point, though. You just yeah. kidnapped our butler and then tortured him with your arrows to free him. Yeah, you could you could take our spot. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, oh, the timing's perfect, Hawkeye. We've been looking for replacements. I'll give you an Avengers manual so you can study our bylaws. First is, don't tie up frickin' Jarvis! <laughs> Jerk. Jarvis should they, hate him. <laughs> they'll poison his food. They'll put, like, X-lax in his chocolate. Your chocolate mousse, sir. Enjoy. I'll be right back. Yeah, and then <laughs> they go to Neymar. Na- Neymar? <laughs> Neymar. <laughs> Until my people are again rulers of Earth's land as well as her seas, I can never ally, ally myself with any humans, even though your offer does me honor. And then so, somebody off camera says, huh, too bad, he'd have made a great Avenger. What? <laughs> we, we, we definitely want megalomaniacal people who are trying to take over the world to be Avengers. Yeah, and then Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, like, like I said, it's like they're looking on Craigslist or something, you know? Oh, they're looking in the newspaper on the, on, you know, on the inside cover on the second page. Oh, look, a report from America that the Avengers <laughs> wanted. Avengers, apply New York. Evil mutants may apply. And they write a letter. The Avengers, New York City, USA. <laughs> uh. Okay, so if you're going to throw a press conference on page 11, you think Giant Man could have just maybe shrunk himself down and almost sized? Did he have to look like such a doofus on the stage there with everybody? He looks like he's taking a dump. <laughs> dump. <laughs> I know that exact pose. Ah. <laughs> uh. And it's like, Iron Man's like, yeah, here he is. Here's our replacement. Yep. Okay. Iron Man. Out. <laughs> oh, oh uh, and then we cut back to, to Cap, and he's swinging through the jungle, you know. It's like, again, none of them have, through all of this, nobody's still decided, hey, maybe we should go look for Cap. You know, he's been gone for, what, you figure this has been at least a day or two? No, nobody's pit- going to. Isn't that Pitfall? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Cap and Rick are playing Pitfall in South America in, in, in the Amazon. And uh, some dude almost gets... You know, I really think that that leopard or whatever he hit, hit, you know, smacked with the shield is probably an endangered species. And now it probably can't even think straight. You say me, senor, the leopard flees in pain. Say, if you speak English, or at least broken English... We must be getting near civilization. Cap is apparently very racist there, too. A white man being attacked by a leopard. <laughs> if it weren't a white man, I wouldn't throw my shield. Uh, was it a na- if it was a native guy, I'd say, you know, uh, you know, it's a force of nature. But, oh, it's a white man. we got to save him. But uh, Cap, I guess, has his own built-in GPS. That's right, Rick. We're on the border of a coastal plantation. How do you know that? Well... So they hop in a jeep, and then from there, they—I uh, guess you know—they're they're, going to find their way back, back again. They borrow a plane. I think that's Curious uh, George's friend driving the jeep. <laughs> the man in the yellow. Well, he, I guess he gave his hat to the guy driving. That's what I said. Driving the jeep. Oh, driving the jeep. Yeah, but he's not wearing yellow. Rick's oh, wearing yellow. He got his little sweater vest. So then, uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver arrive. 
and they asked him to take their 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 coats off. You mean, but you mean you mean the fuchsia witch? That's the a, fuchsia that's witch. Her yeah. But you notice that she's got her hat on, and then in the next panel, they take their coats off, and now she has her full-blown Scarlet Witch hat on, which was not in the previous frame. She's so, a witch! Poof. Burn her. Burn the witch. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, re- the real question here is, does she weigh the same as a duck? How can we, we tell? put her in water. If she floats, she does. She's a witch. If she doesn't, it sinks. Or what was the other reason? Then she's a witch. Whatever. That's her money python, right? Yep. Holy grip. Yep. So, jump along a little further. Cap finally ma- makes it back, and um, I guess Giant Man's going to toss Cap up and hit his head on the ceiling. They're on page 17 of the art. He's like, wee! I got a little cap doll here. Giant Man is such a doofus in this book. <laughs> this in stupid, this book? His stupid cybernetic helmet. He looks like a moron. And then they tell Cap, yeah, well, yeah, High Pockets, uh, the Wasp and I, we're leaving. What? And that's what Cap says. What? <laughs> two question marks, two exclamation points. You mean you're breaking up the Avengers? The only family I have since I came out of the ice. Uh, and then we cut to the floating heads of the villains. <laughs> it's like they're watching the NFL draft. Who are they going to pick? And the Avengers' first pick in round one is Hawkeye. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? I had Black Widow. Damn it. Immortus was going to take him. Immortus. Oh, man. See, that's what they should have done back back in the days. They have the Defenders and the Avengers get together, and 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 they do a draft. You know, pick their teams that way. Shake things oh, up man. a little. You just see, like, in the schoolyard, standing by the fence, D-Man is the only guy left. <laughs> All right, we'll take D-Man. No way, man. I don't want him on my team. No, we don't have to take D-Man. My... Bill's cousin is here. We could take him. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we have a sad shot as uh, Iron Man is having Happy Hogan drive him away. He thinks to himself, Giant Man and the Wasp. I'll never forget them as long as I live. Live. Blah, 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 blah. Where to, boss? The factory, Happy. I want to lose myself in my work in alcohol. I mean work. He doesn't stop being Iron Man. He just stops being an Avenger for a while. I mean, get over it. I know. But still, so... Next issue, the search for the Hulk with this team. Ah. So, yeah, we have the, the the nice shot of Cap, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye. And Hawkeye's the only one not raising his arm. I he guess said, he's Quicksilver, you're putting your arm in my freaking face. <laughs> <laughs> Douche. Wanda's doing, Wanda's doing the royal wave. She's got her, you know... Her elbow at the ninety degree angle and her hand just up and you know, she's just turning she's turning her hand, just her hand back and forth. She also has the extra big headpiece on. It's like yes. double the size of her head. She's going, What? 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 <laughs> I can't hear you. Take that stupid thing off your head. Oh, sorry. I can't hear you with this thing on my head. 
So I, I think if I was collecting at this time, I would say, okay, that's my last issue of the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Oh, I guess the Avengers ended here, number 16. Oh, never to be seen again. Well, I know you've said it before, Paul, and, and, and I agree with you. I mean, the, the reasoning here, I, I would assume, and you, for all I know, you may have actually read, you know, this is fact somewhere, but I'm assuming that they did this because the characters not, that we're now left with are homeless characters that, you know, they don't have stories appearing anywhere else. Well, so they can basically... Well, that's true. Cap, Cap did, but at this but even time... Cap, was they Cap, were doing, like, World War Flashbacks, II right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know... So they were free to do pretty much what they wanted with these characters. They were they were free from the continuity of other stories happening in other places. And I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I'm perfectly happy to see Giant Man and Wasp piss off because I just really don't care for those characters, at least at this time. But this is a really weird time that lasts too long, in my opinion, where they go from... The you know kind of the heavy hitters. I mean, you've got Cap and Iron Man and Thor, you know the big guys, and they go from that powerhouse of a team to these guys. To a team and that could so, get beaten by the commissar. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and so it's you know you go from one extreme to the other to to super powerful to wow you guys really don't have anybody powerful on your team. And it's really weird. And this era, at least in my opinion, lasts way too long because it's not until they get uh, Herc on the team. And I think it's in the 30s, like around like 38 or something Mm -hmm. that they start to then kind of rebuild, you know, the the powerful aspect of the team. And, And in that stretch between 16 and 38, man, there's some mighty weak and lame ass stories in that stretch. Yeah, we covered them. (laughs) <laughs> well, they, they went heavy, heavy, heavy on the uh, "oh, feel sorry for us" kind of stuff. Uh, there was, you know, the which well, Kang had uh, his his girlfriend, like, Romanova, Ro- Ramona, I think it was. Yeah, Ramona. And Lucy she, and she, Ramona. She ended up like near death, so that was sad. And then you had. Uh, What's it called? Giant Man got stuck at like 12 feet tall, like a big doof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was Goliath. Well, you know, and plus, you know, for, for a time there, for, for quite a length of time, Hawkeye became just an asshole. He, it was him constantly bucking Cap and, yeah, you know, just being a jerk to him and everything. Eventually, they straightened that all out, and then they became good friends. He became almost like a, like a, uh, acolyte, you know, to uh, to Cap, which you know, I kind of like him better that way. But for a time, I, I don't know what well, they were take going their, for. But yeah, just well, it you never take their costumes well. off. You, you you know, you take their masks off. You can't really tell them apart. Or both yeah. That's true. But Hawkeye's yeah. Hawkeye's like the quote unquote that guy of the era of the Avengers. I don't know if you've ever seen like the the fan film, like the greatest fan film ever made, but. They they have a gag about like who is like what's a that guy and you've got like Cap and Superman and you know all these leader types Leonardo like sitting around kind of betting about the that guy and Captain America's like well the that guy like the really cool guy who all the kids like that doesn't follow orders that's always getting in your face and starting shit and, and and trying to make your life miserable you know and of course at that point like Wolverine walks in in this fan film and he's like you know two feet tall and. You know, it's just ridiculous, you know. 
but like it's always like to me i guess when when i was exposed hawkeye he was like the leader of the west coast avengers and he was kind of like an all-around you know decent type guy so it's 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 always kind of like a an eye opener or a head scratcher to come back to this era of the team and see like just what a jackass he is in America the whole time because he's always like I should be the leader like you suck I'm gonna punch you in the face you know and like and and you think I'm joking but like literally like he says stuff like that to him all right because I don't think he really matures I mean for what I remember. I want to say after the Kree Skull War or before that, when when they then when they get into the Celestial Madonna stuff and he does the time traveling with the Two Gun Kid and all that, I think that's where they started to change him. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm right now. I, I couldn't tell you the exact issue. Right around an issue like forty or so, um, where they've just brought Herc in, and he's he's begun to change a bit. He's you know he, he's now more uh, admiring of Cap as opposed to you know mm-hmm. constantly just being a, a thorn in his side and that sort of thing but yeah as far as his you know his character becoming actually likable or, or you know redeems yeah I, I think that would be further down the road but they have begun to tweak his character and I'm wondering if it's because uh, maybe you know fandom at the time maybe didn't care for that portrayal of him necessarily either with you know, I, I think you can get away with with character conflicts in some books. Like, you know, Fantastic Four, it always felt very natural the the friendly rivalry between, say, Johnny and Ben. But that same thing, I don't know that that necessarily works with the Avengers. And uh, and I think that they were trying to go for that sort of dynamic, and I never felt like it really worked. He just came across as an asshole, as opposed to them having any sort of you know, like I say, friendly rivalry or, or just, you know, natural friction between the two. He just, he was just a jerk. And so I, I like that they finally abandoned, you know, Sam, you know, finally abandoned that and just decided to go a different route where, okay, instead of him being, you know, the thorn in the side, let's make him kind of a, a almost like a fanboy. And, uh, and I like that better. I, I think that dynamic works better. That's kind so. of what he did with Flash Thompson with Spider-Man, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wanna right stand, around the same time. Stands, the, the, the cards in Stan's deck. Yeah. Good old Hawkeye. Shoot that poison arrow through my heart. <laughs> yeah, but despite I, the know, era this takes us into, I, I do like this issue. I think it's really interesting. And I, I you know, one of my big takeaways from this was always the fact that uh, it almost makes it sound like uh, like Iron Man is retiring, like he's saying, you know, I'm just getting too old for this shit, which is odd because I mean, none of these characters have been around for a great length of time at this point. But that is almost, especially that that last panel on page 19, that really is the feel that I get from that panel. He's, you know, because he he has the comment where he says the old must ever give way to the new. It's like he's saying, you know, my time's over. I'm, you know. I, I'm washed up. I'm getting out of the hero biz kind of thing, and that, that's just so odd because I mean, he's at the beginning of his career, not the end. You know, he's got fifty, <laughs> sixty years to go yet. You know, at least until they destroy the universe, reboot right. everything again, again, again. Teenage Tony. <laughs> Jeez, oh. God. No, no time. Oh wait, I just sounded that was 
that was John Luke Picard when he smashes the ships and in, in uh, yeah, first contact. No, <laughs> smash! I think you broke your little ships, Bill. That's what I think of teenage Tony Stark. Like in the office. No! No, God, no! No! So th- this book did have more of the original Avengers than I thought in my memory. Like, I thought they, you know, like the story opened with them leaving and that the whole thing was the uh, search for the new team. That that whole beginning with the melter and the smelter and whatever. Like, I didn't remember any of that until I just reread it for tonight. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> we really didn't need any of it. <laughs> I mean, that was just so dumb that they're reversing their powers or whatever. But other than that, I, I did like the search for the new team. And then that became, you know, like a big trope with the Avengers. You know, oh, we're going to change the team again and again and again and again. But, you know, those are usually fun issues. Because, you know, you go into them and you wonder what the final team is going to end up. Yeah, well, I mean, here it's brand new, but yeah, it'll get kind of, it'll become a regular recurring, I don't want to say trope, but, you know. I don't want to say trope, but it was a trope. But here it's not a trope. Not yet. And it's, you know, it's interesting that, you know, that all the people on the cover are actually people in the book, because, you know, in the future they'd get into the let's show people and say, you know, who who are going to be the new Avengers, and we'll put people who oh, will yeah. never yeah, be true. one. Yeah, it's, right. it's kind of interesting they didn't try to tease people with, like, Namor or the Hulk or, you know, other other people they teased that within the issue. You know, it's it's interesting they didn't put those guys on the cover, too, because they, they could have been possible candidates. I mean, more so than... It's not like I don't think anybody thought the Melter was going to become an Avenger. I did. I, did. I saw the cover. I assumed the Melter was going to be an Avenger. <laughs> well, you know, they tried to get the Hulk, but Hulk did. Hulk no like photo shoots, no what glamour shot, no. Rick Jones Hulk looks like he to smack his face on the cover. I'm Rick Jones, bitch. I was wondering when we were going to get that. I did that earlier. Did you? I didn't hear it. I did it. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's why you were away. Uh, the mice Possibly. was playing. <laughs> yes. You could keep 11 in line. So, you want me to grade it? We got anything else to cover on it? I think we're good. All right. Cover. Jack Kirby. Uh, I guess... I'm kind of growing. Jack Kirby's growing on me. I know in the past I've said I wasn't really a big fan, but uh, I kind of like Cap's... I just wish Cap had, like, some real irises. I don't know if he's been, like, taking drugs or if that's just the standard Kirby uh, way of drawing eyes, but I don't know what he's taken, but, you know, been on some Jungle Viagra or something. Um, The cover... I'm going to give it a B. For for B, uh, the interior art, yeah, the splash page, some of it, the, the proportions are off. I know it's Jack Kirby, and I know everybody, you know, oh. but I don't think I don't know, don't really think this is Jack Kirby at his. Uh, well, actually, it says 
he just did the layouts and the artwork just by Dick Ayers. But you think so? You think Jack just did the pencils, like maybe like a rough and because it just doesn't, it doesn't have the full Kirby feel for me. So I'm just I'm gonna give it. I hate to, I'm gonna give the art a C plus, B minus, and the story. Oof, a lot going on in this book, but um, some of the characters' motives are a little iffy. This it seems like it's just you know contrived suddenly, like you said, because they wanted to pair people off in other books and stuff. So I think I'm going to give the story uh, a C plus as well. So I think it's just in a it's going to be a C plus to just maybe just squeaking over the line to a B minus for me. Who's next? All right, I guess I'll, I'll go. go. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a classic cover. This is somewhat iconic. And what I like about it is, as far as you know, picking up this book at the time it came out, Quicksilver, the Scarlet Witch, and Hawkeye on the cover uh, are more likely to be with the Masters of Evil than they are Avengers. So I don't think it jumps out at you. I think if you know if you were reading books of this era, I don't think you look at it and say, oh, those are the new Avengers. Because they were villains up to this point. So I think that's kind of cool that, that you really just don't know where this is going to go. Uh, I like the way he drew Cap. His eyes are kind of bulgy, though. I agree with you on that. Uh, overall, I would say it's kind of iconic, but it's not great. So I'm going to say a B plus. Uh, the interior art, I agree with you. This is not, this is not great, Kirby. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he may have just done some thumbnails, and Dick Ayers may have taken it from there. But I, I generally like Dick Ayers also, so I'm a little disappointed by it. But uh, I'll say a C plus too. I, I agree with you, though. Story-wise, there's some, you know, some things that really make you scratch your head in here. <laughs> like you pointed out, Namor, as soon as I'm done conquering the surface world, I'll be glad to be an Avenger. Um, I think story, I'm going to say a B-, and overall, I'm going to give the book a B. Anyone I'll go right? real quick. Um, I, I think I do think this is an iconic cover. Like, I guess I'm one of those... Jack Kirby guys or whatever, so I, I I probably gave the cover an A. Like I don't I, I I see what you guys are saying, like what what people say about certain bits of it, like the way his eyes are and things like that. But I I just think you know he it's Captain America, you know, shouting Avengers Assemble. Like I don't think you get much more iconic in terms of like Avengers than that. And and so I and and I I, I kind of like the way it's laid out and everything, like the. Even though you know we had a good time poking fun at it, it's kind of cool to see all the, you know, the the pictures in the background on the brick wall, and then you know the way they sort of lay out the whole you know spectacular special issue, the new Avengers lineup. Like you kind of know what you're getting into and everything. I, I do agree about the interior art. Like I, I I guess I'm not as big a fan of of Dick Ayers as you know anybody else, but. I, I guess that's kind of what I blame my disappointment on. Like, it doesn't seem like real Kirby, and and maybe in some ways it doesn't seem like real Dick Ayers either because of that. So, like, you're kind of left with, like, you know, it's kind of like when you watch, like, AI. It's not a Steven Spielberg movie. It's not a Stanley Kubrick movie, and everybody walks away kind of not happy, you know? So it feels like the same thing, like, that it's... So that I'd probably give, like, a B-. And... 
the story it, it's okay but i'd probably give it a b minus like there there are fun parts in it like i i kind of enjoyed the cameos like i enjoyed the nods to like the x-men and the you know namor and you know even even you know cap's jungle adventure or whatever like all that kind of stuff is kind of fun but the the stuff i don't like is just the like i kind of hate the way that giant man and wasps costumes look in this era like i think they kind of look dumb and there's probably a reason why even when they flash back to past stories like nobody ever bothers to draw them in these costumes so uh, i guess you know uh for for interior art B minus story B minus I'd probably give the the comic like a grand total of just a, a flat B so um let's see I'll go with the cover first here I want to like it more than I do because I think Cap looks really cool on the cover but it's like a picture my mom took where it's like you know you're cutting off part of the the thing here because it's too far up his body you know you're not seeing his feet down at the bottom or anything um it's not centered properly the whole thing with the banner underneath the avengers logo saying you know spectacular new issue being way off on the right just just hits that anal retentive part of my brain that ocd part where i'm like damn it center that thing it should be in the middle you know and the wall behind him there's so much negative space above the wall and it's just you know it's just kind of clunkily designed i guess i should say but that doesn't detract from the fact it is an iconic cover so i like that and i'll I'll give it kudos for that i I would say overall um i'm gonna go with c minus on the cover because there's so much room for improvement it's really cap i like best on there Um, but he's rather small compared to everything else that's on the cover um, the interior art. Now, I would come to really like Jack Kirby. I've really been enjoying um, the stuff that I've been reading through with Fantastic Four, um, even you know the Avengers stuff and, and other things that he was doing. This, unfortunately, just isn't one of the stronger issues. And like you guys, I'm at a bit of a loss to, to put my finger on exactly why. I'm wondering if... Jack Kirby and Dick Ayers are the only two involved in this issue because I'm seeing hints of other artists. I'm wondering if maybe this might have been a a, a many hands project or something because the art does seem to change styles from time to time, even sometimes from page to page. So I'm wondering if maybe this was was rushed or had other people involved in the production of it because sometimes it feels very Kirby- and then other times it, it's it's very not Kirby, so I, I'm not sure where the fault lies in that. But it, it's just it's a very disjointed read artistically. So, you know, as a grade overall, um, I, I, again, I think I'm going to go middle of the road C because it goes from great lows to great highs and back and forth through the entire issue. I generally like the Cap sequences when he's in South America and everything, but a lot of the actual Avengers sequences are really, really clunky and awkward to me. They just look funny somehow. Um, And then the story, I mean, setting aside its historical significance and the precedent that it sets for the order changing and all that sort of thing, and just judging it strictly on what it is... um, I'm going to go a straight up B because it's not the best Avengers story from this period, 
but it is a pretty good one, and I really get a kick out of it. And I, I, I like this era of what has just happened. You know, Zemo has just been uh, knocked off, and you know now Cap's having to deal with coming back and the orders changing, and new. You know, the the classic guys are gone, and the new guys are in, and all the new guys were villains, and so it, it's a very interesting concept. Uh, some of it's a little bit wonky, which is why I'm not going to go a straight up A on it. But overall, I do think it's a pretty good story that moves right along. And as far as the sillier uh, elements of it with the smelter and all that stuff, I mean, it's no stupider than anything else that he was writing at this time. So, you know, it, it's it's pretty much in line with everything else that Stan was doing. So I, I dig it. I, I think it is a really good issue. I'm just, unfortunately, this heralds an era of the Avengers that I'm not really crazy about. But this particular issue is a good, strong one. So I like this. So overall grade, I would say... Uh, I'd say a B minus. I think it's a pretty damn good book. <coughs> okay, uh, I would read email, but I'm tired. I'm tired. Sleepy. Thank Derek for coming on with us. Yeah, uh, thanks Derek, for having me, guys. Did we do the official plug for all your stuff in the beginning? No, that or was you... what I was going to say. We need okay. to do that, and we didn't get a lot out of him. La. About um, damn time. <laughs> So uh, I guess if, if anybody's interested in podcasts, they can check out podcasts on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And if you're interested in History of Comics on Film, it's a video series, uh, you can go to hocof.blogspot.com. So it's just the initials of History of Comics on Film. Uh, most of the videos are there. Sometimes YouTube takes stuff down, so I try to put them on other sites but the majority of the videos are up on youtube if you want to go check them out there as well so anybody's interested in those or the podcasts check them out there and and again thank you guys so much for having me on the show this is awesome no no thank you you thank you for your generosity and and for all that you do in your podcasting and your blogging thanks for joining us thanks Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Helta Smelta. <laughs> and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you don't you want me to grade this? Wow, 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 wow. Sorry. You're a dork. Thanks. Love you, man. <laughs> I think I think Dork is being generous. <laughs> it's King Dork to you. <laughs> <laughs>